Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hi, and welcome to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I'm Rachel Brayton, and I'm beyond excited to get to welcome you to the first episode of my brand new podcast. This show will cover all sorts of topics, ranging from yoga to motherhood to entrepreneurship. And for this very first episode, we're going to get real personal and intimate right away. I'm going to share with you my birth story. You may already know, but I just gave birth to a baby girl, Lea Luna, on March 13th. I've been wanting to share my experience in the most authentic way possible. And if you know anything about me, it's that I always share the unfiltered truth. If you've been following me through social media throughout my pregnancy, you'll know that I was longing for a natural, unmedicated birth at home. After a really healthy but a long pregnancy, I reached 41 weeks and I was feeling so done with being pregnant. Actually, ever since I hit week 36, everyone from midwives to friends and family, they were all telling me that they thought I was going to have this baby really early. I think because my belly was low and I'd been under a lot of stress working really hard far into my third trimester. This meant that for weeks, every single morning, I would wake up wondering if today was the day I was going to have my baby. This made for the longest last month of pregnancy ever. <laughs> And when I finally hit my due date on February 28th, I felt like I'd been pregnant forever. I had been planning to give birth at home in a birth pool, but I only had what felt like a really brief window for that to happen. It seems like the moment you're overdue, the medical community starts getting really nervous and begins pushing you to take action for the baby to arrive sooner. At least this was my experience. I was really trying to trust our little poppy seed to make her way into the world at her own time. But as the days passed, I started getting increasingly nervous. When I hit 41 weeks, the midwives started getting really rough with me. They were saying there was a risk for something going wrong and that risk goes up every single day when you're overdue. They started nudging me toward getting an induction at the hospital. So we went to see a gynecologist for some tests and to make sure everything was still fine with the baby. When I said I didn't want to be induced, the gynecologist actually looked me in the eye and said, are you willing to risk this baby being stillborn? I 
couldn't believe it. I cried in the car the whole way home. The last thing I wanted was drugs and being hooked up to monitors at the hospital because I'd been planning this sacred experience at home and I still believed I could really have it. All the tests we did showed that everything was 100% fine with the baby, the heartbeat was strong, there was lots of fluids, no sign of anything being wrong. So I kept negotiating with the midwives and I made them give me 42 weeks. The gynecologist actually made an appointment for me on the 14th of March to be induced at 8 a.m. in the morning. On March 10th, 41 weeks and four days overdue, I was getting desperate. This was the date that my best friend passed away three years earlier, so I kind of had a feeling maybe baby Leah would make her way to the world on that day. The day came and went and nothing happened. By then, I tried every single trick in the whole book. Spicy foods, sex, long walks, special herbs and teas, castor oil. I did everything, but nothing was working. We even did a membrane sweep with no results. So I could also feel that the more I was pushing for her arrival, the less the baby wanted to come out. She really had her own timing. On March 11th, so the next day, I got a super intense acupuncture treatment and it left me crying for over two hours. Part of me knew that there was this letting go that had to happen for labor to begin. And it's something that I struggle with in my life, letting go of control, letting go of Uh, controlling the outcome and just surrendering to what is. So I cried for two hours after acupuncture and it was like something shifted. That evening, I went to bed feeling a new sense of calm and I just decided I'm going to embrace the idea of maybe having to go to the hospital and I just have to surrender completely. In the end, I have no control anyway. March 12th, the next day, was the full moon and we already had Luna set for one of the names for the baby. So I thought it would make so much sense for her to wait for the full moon for this to happen. And it turns out the full moon did the trick. I woke up at 4 a.m. on March 12th with contractions. Contractions, they hurt, but they were still pretty gentle and I was just so excited. (laughs) Finally, something was actually happening. So I got up feeling like a child on Christmas. And I know you're supposed to rest during early labor, but I was really scared that the contractions were going to go away or that it was just kind of false labor. And I was so eager to get things started. So I decided to get up and get moving. I lit candles all over the house. I put on music. I chanted some mantras. I burned Palo Santo. I ate fruits. It was a really quiet and a really, really sacred time. It was just literally me alone in this candle lit house. The first hours of those contractions, they were actually really wonderful. I mean, they hurt. (laughs) I was in for a world of pain, but I hadn't got into that place yet. I was just alone, dancing in my living room, knowing I would soon, hopefully, you know, have my baby in my arms. Two hours or so later, at 6 a.m., I woke Dennis up. The contractions were getting stronger, and I didn't feel like I wanted to be alone anymore. Part of me was starting to realize that this was going to be a much longer and much more difficult journey than I actually had anticipated. And I felt the need to have Dennis there right next to me the whole entire time. I was able to keep breathing and to stay really mindful and focused throughout each contraction. But what kind of marveled me the most was the space in between. Absolute total relief. I wasn't expecting that. So that was really, really amazing. Around this time, so this early in the morning, the contractions were 45 seconds long and two to four minutes apart. 
7.30 in the morning, our midwife, Anita, came over for a first checkup, and we also called our doula, our birth coach, Kelly, and we asked her to bring us some breakfast. I had some green juice and some more fruits in between contractions, and then I got ready for the first exam. Anita checked me and was really surprised to find I was already dilated four centimeters. Four centimeters, that's a lot in such a short time. We all got super excited because that was super fast. I got the feeling labor might actually progress quicker than I thought. And I even had this image of all of us eating a late lunch in the kitchen together, me nursing the baby. I said to Dennis, maybe the baby will be here at like 2 p.m. <laughs> 2 p.m. That was my, my dream scenario. I was in for a treat. <laughs> the doula and the midwife, they left to give us some privacy, and I just continued breathing through contractions, trying to find ways to distract myself from the pain. Dennis and I played a few rounds of cards, and I was pausing every time a contraction came through just to focus and really breathe my way through it. At noon, I started feeling my energy really shifting. Contractions were getting much more intense, and they were coming much closer together. The doula and the midwife came back, and after a second checkup, we found I was still dilated four centimeters. I was a little disappointed, but not discouraged. I knew dilation isn't linear, and it doesn't happen in that linear way, so it's not unusual for things to take a long time and then progress really quickly. The midwife was recommending that we break the membranes, but I really didn't want to. I felt like it was too invasive, and I was dead set on this being a completely natural pace. Dennis was getting sleepy, so I told him to take a nap, and I asked Kelly to stay by my side. We had put a few huge pillows together on the floor, and I laid down to try to get some rest. By now, the contractions were so intense that it was getting hard to speak in between, and it took all of my focus to stay with my breath. I managed to doze off a little bit between contractions, with Kelly giving me massages and helping me hold space. This lasted for a few hours. Around 3 p.m. or so, the midwife came back for another checkup. I was still at four centimeters. <laughs> By now, I was starting to feel a little discouraged. Why weren't things moving along faster? The midwife recommended that we break the membranes for things to progress much faster, but I still didn't want to. I was really stubborn, and it felt like an unnatural thing to do for some reason. I was also starting to get really nervous that I wouldn't be able to manage the pain. Thus far, I was able to really cope because it was getting more and more intense, but at, at a very gradual pace. So breaking the waters usually means that dilation happens much quicker and also that the pain intensifies quickly. And I felt like I was barely hanging on with the pain as it was. I got super fearful that maybe if we break the waters, I would be thrown into this level of pain that I wasn't prepared for. Also, if you break the membranes, it would mean I couldn't go in the birth pool because there's a risk of infection. So I said, no, I don't want to do this now. Let's keep going. And we try in a few hours again. Around this time, I started getting a little nervous. We'd been going for a long time, and I didn't know how much worse the pain was going to get. I decided I wanted to move around a little bit more and try to lean into each contraction to try to get dilation to happen quicker. This was really, really, really hard. The contractions were long, and they were close together, and I was having kind of a hard time breathing even in between. I started getting emotional from the pain, and I cried and cried doubting just how much more I could take. Luckily, Dennis was there with me every single moment, holding my hand, rubbing my back, and reminding me to breathe. Around 5 p.m., so later in the afternoon, the midwife came back, and we did another exam to find that I was still only four centimeters dilated. 
It was brutal. I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to manage the pain without feeling like it was moving forward. So I went into the garden and I decided to sit down and meditate with the baby. I assured the baby everything was fine and I asked permission to break the membranes. I felt really calm inside and the moment I sat down to talk to her, I actually got a really long break between contractions. I took it as a sign to move forward, so we went ahead and we broke the membranes. There was so much water. Oh my God, holy shit. (laughs) There was so much water. I was totally unprepared for that. The midwife said that the membranes were really hard to break, and that's probably a reason why I was so overdue, because the baby had been so protected and so cozy in there. A good reason to wait another two weeks to make her arrival. After Anita broke my waters, things reached a whole new level of intensity. If I thought I had been experiencing pain before, it was nothing compared to the contractions that were now coming my way. I needed 100% of both Dennis and Kelly's attention 100% of the time. I literally could not take the contractions on my own anymore. Dennis was practicing this pelvic pressure technique that we learned during a birth class, which was super helpful. So he would press down on my pelvis during each contraction and it took a little bit of the pressure off. Kelly was amazing. She made sure we were both hydrated and would put these cold compresses with essential oils on my neck and on my forehead in between contractions. It really helped. The next few hours though, I'm having kind of a hard time even grasping the story because they're a total blur. The pain was just so overwhelming. I mean, I, I, was, I did a lot of research before before going into labor, I, I read so many books, you know, I really like to to get a hold of the situation and prepare for things as much as possible. But this pain, it was absolutely impossible for me to prepare for it. It was so overwhelming. And uh, at one point, I kind of stopped trusting in my own ability to cope. I could barely move between each contraction and they were so overwhelming, they would literally just take the breath out of my lungs. I was getting dizzy from the pain and I couldn't even communicate or speak or say anything in between. At one point, Dennis brought me out into the garden and we were kind of slow dancing through contractions under the full moon. And I remember looking up and I saw the moon and then I thought of the baby and Luna and it was a full moon and it's beautiful. But I remember thinking, I I don't know if I can take more of this. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. I started crying outside in the garden and I was just begging the baby to make her way here faster. At nine in the evening, the midwife came back. So by now, my contractions were two and a half minutes long and only 30 seconds apart. The experience was like one long, never-ending, painful contraction. I couldn't even lie down for her to do the exam because of the pain. I couldn't speak. I couldn't breathe. It took just all of my power just to survive the pain. At some points, it felt like almost like the pain was going to split me in half. It was, it was so, so, so tough. We'd been going for so many hours now, and by now I was 100% certain that I was at least 8 or 9, if not 10 centimeters dilated. The feeling was like I could just squat down on the floor and pop the baby right out. (laughs) The pain was so intense, I was sure I could start pushing at any second. Anita checked me and found that I was still 4 centimeters dilated. (laughs) Ah, It's almost absurd. When she told me, It was like I lost all of my power. I deflated like a balloon and I completely just gave up. Mentally, I had been able to go on for so long because for every contraction, no matter how painful it was, it was bringing me closer to my baby. 
But now, you know, to find out that after 18 hours of grueling pain, I had made zero progress, I, I just couldn't take it. It was really a mental thing. And the part of me just checked out completely. I felt like something was wrong. I wasn't fearful. It wasn't like something was wrong with the baby, but I just had this feeling like this is not going to happen at home. The midwife said it seemed that the baby was coming down with the head tilted completely to one side and that she'd gotten stuck and that that could be why I wasn't dilating further. She recommended that we do two rounds of contractions in certain positions to try to get the baby to turn and get unstuck. So she wanted me to do three contractions lying on my side, three on all fours, and then three on the other side, and then to do that twice. At this point, I was bawling, like crying. The baby's stuck, and I, I just knew it's not going to happen at home. I, I just knew. It was like an instinct. I just, I just felt it, and I said, I think we need to go to the hospital. The baby is not going to get unstuck here, and it's just, it's not going to happen. I want to go to the hospital. Dennis knew that going to the hospital was the absolute last thing I wanted. I'd fought so hard to be able to deliver this baby at home. It was everything I wanted. I actually made him promise that even if I asked for the hospital to only let me go there if there was something wrong with me or the baby, or if there was an actual, you know, big medical danger. Uh, I was so set on having this baby at home. He convinced me to go in the shower and to take a hot shower and to try to reset, but I didn't want to. I just, I had my mind set. The baby is stuck. I know the baby is stuck. It's not happening. We're not moving forward. Kelly, our doula, she also knew that the hospital was the last thing I wanted. And she was worried that getting in the car and going down these bumpy roads and then changing the environment, that it might stall labor or that we'd end up in this really stressful place. So eventually I agreed to take the hot shower, but I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't even stand up because of the pain. And I think it was the knowing that I hadn't made any progress in all that time with all that pain. It was more a mental thing than anything else. I just kind of checked out and decided I can't do it anymore. Dennis got in the shower with his clothes on and just held me there while I was collapsed like a rag doll, just crying. He looked me in the eye and he said, you don't want this. And I looked him in the eye and I said, I do. <laughs> So I agreed to do the rounds of contractions lying on my side and on all fours to try to get the baby to turn. But after one round with no change, I demanded the hospital. The midwife told me afterwards that she would have let me continue for one more hour max at home before making us go to the hospital. And I think my intuition was just right. The baby wasn't going to get unstuck as it was. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. More of this first very special episode coming up next. What will inspire you to roll out your mat and practice yoga this spring? How about finding inspiration right below your feet? I'm talking about, yes, your yoga mat. The easiest thing you can do to inspire your practice is to get rid of your old mat and step onto a fresh artist-designed Sankalpa yoga mat. Sankalpa creates amazing designed yoga mats that are great quality and eco-friendly. Plus, a different artist creates every design and your purchase directly supports independent artists from all over the world. Sankalpa has a ton of truly mind-blowing designs to choose from, and the print quality is amazing. Sankalpa mats have an ultra-soft microfiber surface that feels good on your skin and grips even more when you sweat. Sankalpa mats have an eco-friendly, natural rubber bottom, so your hands will never slip. They are 100% PVC-free. So, go to livesankalpa.com. That's L-I-V-E-S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A dot com and use promo code YOGAGIRL to get 20% off everything. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $100. Sankalpa even has a money-back guarantee. If you don't love your mat, send it back in the first 30 days and get a full refund. 
Start this spring off inspired with a fresh new artist design mat from Sankalpa. For 20% off your entire order of the most stunning and inspiring mats, head to Live Sankalpa and use promo code YOGAGIRL. That's L-I-V-E-S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A.com. Use promo code YOGAGIRL. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. And now back to our story. We packed up and got in the car. I was terrified that the contractions were going to get much harder driving down the bumpy roads from our house. But the funniest thing happened. The moment I got in the car, something in me completely let go and I was able to actually doze off between contractions. I think somehow my body knew that we'd hit a limit at home and knowing we were going to the hospital, something inside of me just relaxed and let go. We got to the hospital and it was dead quiet. There were literally not a single other birth happening in the entire wing. We got a big private room and Kelly immediately turned all the lights down, lit candles, burned Palo Santo and used lavender oil. We were able to kind of recreate this really sacred ambiance that we'd had at home. I got an exam by a gynecologist who said, yes, seems that baby is stuck, but he didn't see any reason to why the birth wouldn't be able to continue in a natural way. He suggested I get a mild muscle relaxer to help my cervix open, and I willingly agreed, thinking it would take some pain away. At this point, I would have taken absolutely anything <laughs> that they would have offered me. If someone would have served me a C-section on a silver platter, I probably would have accepted it. <laughs> That's how bad the pain was. The energy completely changed from this moment. It was, it was really interesting. Everything got so quiet. My pain did not diminish. It continued getting worse and worse. But I could tell things were actually progressing now. I could feel how my body was opening up for the first time, finally. I spent maybe three or four hours sitting upright in the hospital bed in what felt like a really deep meditation. I had more space between contractions and I was able to remain completely focused, like really zeroed in in the moment, even as the pain got worse and worse. I could almost zone out between each contraction and then I'd be jolted back every time a wave came my way. An hour and a half in, the midwife checked me again and I was at eight centimeters. So in just an hour and a half, I went from four to eight. 
Knowing we were moving forward and that my cervix was finally opening made all the difference. We spent another hour in complete silence. Dennis was half asleep on a chair. Kelly was half asleep on the floor. <laughs> I was sitting upright, just breathing. The midwife came back to check me again and I was at nine centimeters. She said we were really close and I should stay alert for any urges to push. I didn't feel anything close to that. And I was reaching this other level of absolute unbearable pain. I don't know how many times throughout the past day and night I reached a level of it can't get harder than this. <laughs> But the waves kept coming and it just kept getting harder than this. Another hour passed and I decided I can't do this anymore. I want to push now. I want this baby to come out now. So I asked him to bring the midwife back and she checked me again. And yes, I was at 10 centimeters. But the thing was, I didn't feel any urge to push at all. And this was the one part of labor that I really hadn't done that much research on. I'd always heard from all my friends and everybody I know that have given birth that when you're 10 centimeters and it's time to push, you just get this overwhelming feeling of bearing down and you just it's this inner urge that you just have to push the baby out like it's something that you can't that you can barely control like you can't even slow it down I didn't get that feeling though the midwife told me afterwards because the baby came out with her head completely tilted she thinks the baby's head wasn't pushing on the right points maybe that's why I didn't have these push contractions but I didn't feel any urge to push at all so the midwife wanted me to wait and she said we need to wait for you to feel the urge to push But I didn't care. I knew I was at 10 centimeters. This was it. I reached the point I'm supposed to reach. I want this baby to come out now. It's been, you know, 23 or something hours. It was so long. They kept insisting that we should wait for me to feel an urge to push or for push contractions to come. But I decided, no, I want to try to push the baby out anyway. This is a little crazy, by the way. I decided I wanted to push the baby out, but I didn't feel anything like wanting to push the baby out. <laughs> So I changed positions on the bed and I started trying to push without feeling any urge or guidance from within if I was doing anything right. Pushing was, in many ways, much, much harder than moving through contractions. Just different hard. I think it took maybe 30 minutes or so before anything started happening. I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And maybe half an hour in was the first moment that I actually felt this urge or like something was moving from the inside. I was exhausted. It had been 24 hours of labor, 30 minutes of using all my force to try to push this baby out without feeling like I needed to push. But the moment I felt something moving, again, the energy just completely shifted. Soon the midwife told me she could see the head emerging. It was actually happening and they let me even see it through a mirror. It was, it was super intense. And after so many hours... I almost lost sight of what we were doing. It had been going on for so long. I mean, a whole day, a whole night. I almost forgot that, hey, I'm, I'm giving birth to my baby. <laughs> so finally, I was reminded that, oh my God, you know, my baby is coming. It's actually happening. There's actually an end to this labor. And, you know, it's ending with my baby arriving. And this gave me this huge rush of energy. I started pushing way harder than I imagined possible. After lying on my back for some time, we changed position and I went into a squat and that really got things moving. Gravity really, really helps. It was so painful. I mean, so painful. But the experience was almost, yeah, almost outer worldly. At one point, I, I think I blacked out. <laughs> it felt like I was having this out of body experience and I could look down at myself. You know, I was mid push 
And the midwife told me I just stopped pushing and I kind of dropped back and she asked, what happened? Why did you stop? And I had this, this out of body experience. I could see myself from above and I could see myself pushing and I could hear the midwife saying, push. And I was thinking, pushing, what is that? Who is doing pushing? What does that mean? <laughs> I just completely lost sight of where I was and what we were doing. And then I was jolted back into the moment and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I'm, I'm pushing my baby out. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> the midwife worked really hard to make sure I didn't tear. So the fact that it took so long, that the pushing part was so long and my body had a lot of time to prepare, I think made a huge difference. But also the midwife had some really amazing techniques that she used and she was using oils and different techniques and pressure points just to make sure that there was no tearing. After a whole hour and 15 minutes of pushing, her head finally descended all the way. And then Anita told me, here she comes, give me your hands. And I thought, you're, my hands, what? <laughs> so she guided my hands and I could feel the baby and I could actually grab a hole underneath her armpits. And with a final two really strong pushes, I got to pull her out and bring her to my chest myself. It was absolutely un unbelievable. I'm crying now, just sharing the story. And in that moment, it was like, like time stopped. <laughs> she was born 4.16 a.m. And, you know, life would just never, ever be the same. <laughs> the work, everything that I'd done the past 24 hours just completely vanished the moment I felt her on my chest. You know, she, she came out with her eyes wide open. She didn't scream. She didn't cry. She just kind of announced her arrival. And she made this exclamation like, hi. I'm here. <laughs> and then she locked eyes with me right away. And that was that. I've never had a more sacred experience in my entire life. I just, I couldn't stop crying. It was, it was unbelievable. The placenta came, I think 15 or 20 minutes after, and we waited for the umbilical cord to completely stop pulsating before Dennis cut the cord. And it's, it's almost funny that experience that we ended up having at the hospital was almost identical to what I wanted to create at home, just minus the birth pool. It was quiet. It was dark. It was peaceful. We had no stress, no crazy interventions, nothing pushing me to do something I didn't want. It was just me and Dennis, our doula and the midwife the entire time. And we had decided her name long before, Lea Luna, our full moon baby, so they wanted to take Leah away to weigh and measure her, but I asked for everyone to please leave the room so Dennis and I could have some quiet time alone. And it was just the most beautiful thing. The three of us, we were alone for the first time. It kind of felt like we were alone in the whole world. Like it was just us and the baby. I don't know how much time passed, but eventually I had to give in and let them weigh her. So she was 4,170 grams, which is 9.2 pounds a big baby and 51 centimeters, 20 inches, and just absolutely perfect. They said normally when babies are two weeks overdue, they normally come out wrinkly or with their skin flaking because they've been in the water for too long. But Leah, she was so beautiful and, and perfect and pink. And, you know, she wasn't overdue at all. For her, this was the perfect time, the perfect moment to arrive. We went to the recovery room where we stayed for only 90 minutes before we went home. And I had this vision before when I was envisioning labor and when I was in, envisioning the end, uh, I had this, this, this vision of resting at home, you know, of eating fruits after labor, of kind of sitting around our kitchen table. And at nine in the morning, we were back home, sitting around our kitchen table, toasting in pink champagne and just eating breakfast. Everything felt so normal. 
I look back at my birth experience and even though it didn't go exactly the way I'd planned it, I know it happened exactly the way it was supposed to. It was so much harder and so much more wonderful than anything I could have ever imagined. We spent a total of 18 hours laboring at home and another six at the hospital. Dennis told me afterward that there was not a single moment during the whole time where he felt scared or nervous when he was doubting any part of the process. The energy throughout the whole thing was so solid. It was so sacred. I feel so blessed, beyond blessed to have him there. He was there for every moment of the whole time. And I mean, it's definitely made us stronger as a couple for sure. And our baby girl, (laughs) our little Lea Luna, she's absolute magic. And it's like she's been here all along. I think in a way she has been here all along. I've already forgotten what life was like before her. (laughs) I have such respect for every woman out there that's ever given birth. Whether it's through C-section, at the hospital, at home, in a pool, in the woods, wherever, however your experience has been, I hope you feel empowered. As women, we create life. We create and birth life. I mean, is there anything cooler than that? And now it's been a few weeks and I've already started forgetting about the labor pain. It's pretty nuts. I asked our midwife, what should we do with the birth pool? We never got to use it. And she said, well, you save it for the next baby. (laughs) For now, one is plenty. Thank you so much for listening in to this very first, very special episode of From the Heart. Next week, we'll dive into a brand new topic. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next one. You can find them on rachelbraithen.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're here. Thanks to everyone at Digital Media for their production work. And of course, to my sponsor, Sankalpa. Please support them the way they supported this podcast. I'll see you next week.